Let us pray for the scriptures. Fall upon us, O Holy Spirit, that we may hear God's word and in its hearing be formed and shaped into a community of believers who show forth your love in all we do. We pray these things through Jesus Christ. Amen. A reading from the New Testament, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, verses 44 to 48. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit? just as we have. So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. The responsive reading is Psalm 98. The words will appear on the screen. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him victory. The Lord has made known his victory. He has revealed his vindication in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it the world, and those who live in it. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills sing together for joy. At the presence of the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. A New Testament reading. The first epistle of John. Chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this, we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome, For whatever is born of God conquers the world, and this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, but not with water only, but with the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one that testifies. For the Spirit is the truth. 
The final reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The title of this morning's sermon is, I Chose You. Churches are not perfect. I know, I know, just go with me on this for a second. But it's true. Churches are not perfect, not one of them. Now, for some people, this affirmation comes with great sorrow and great shame. Somehow we expect that maybe our church will be perfect. And so when those pinch points of living life in community arise, which they invariably do, we are saddened that we have strayed so far from the mark. But for others, the acknowledgement that no church is perfect comes as a great relief. And that relief is for more or less the same reason. There is a freedom that comes along with acknowledging that we will fail as the church. And that is not a disaster. But rather it is a recognition that we are fallen people. And that as we gather as a congregation, we are attempting to work out the means of our salvation and the mystery and the wondrous love of God. But as we heard Aaron read just a second ago from the epistle of John, that the, the world is a place which is in need of redemption. It is in need of being conquered by the love of God. And the church is a worldly institution. So we're not always perfect. And it's not always an easy task to deal with what it means then to be that church that is working, attempting to work out the means of salvation and to grasp the idea of the mystery of God's wondrous love. At any one time, 
we can see aspects of the love of God. And we will, but we will never be able to fully comprehend all of God's mercy and all of God's love. That is not an excuse to not strive toward the goal. But neither is it a burden that we are to carry alone. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is given to us, we who make up the church, so that we might know and experience God's great love, even if we don't fully understand it. There is this element, then, of the unattainable in Jesus' words to his disciples this morning. In this moment of instruction that happens as Jesus sits with his disciples at the table for the Last Supper. As we hear these words of Jesus this morning speaking about love and how love is that greatest of all commandments. And that we especially as disciples are to love one another. We know what is to come in the rest of John's Gospel. Judas is about to betray his friend and his Lord. Love one another as I have loved you. Peter is about to deny that he does not even know Jesus. Love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus will go out to Golgotha to be crucified. Love one another as I have loved you. Even in the face of the unimaginable and wondrous love of God, Jesus' closest friends stumbled, just as we in the church stumble each day. The love of God was a gift that was given, but could not be received. Thus it was, thus it is now. And yet, as we read this passage from the Gospel according to John, there is this strange phrase that pops up in the middle of it. As we so often find in the writings of John, you know, there is this swirling text and that repeats and doubles back on itself, and it has its key words that it keeps repeating over and over again. In this morning's text, it's love, love. Love, as the Father loves me, so I will love you. But then the swirling of this discourse about love is interrupted by this very matter-of-fact statement. You did not choose me, but I chose you. At the center of this discourse, on the centrality of love within the within the Christian community. Jesus reminds us that we are the recipients of God's love, not because we have in any way merited it or earned it, but because we have been chosen by Christ to be the recipients of that love. Whether we get this faith right or not, whether we are able to be the perfect church or not, we are part of the followers of Jesus because Jesus has chosen us. We have been adopted into the family of faith. 
We have been chosen. If we, if you know anyone who has been adopted into a family, then you know the power of these words, that someone has chosen you. For some adopted children, I suspect perhaps for many, there is always that struggle that comes with being adopted, that the birth mother would just give them away. But many adoptive families remind their children that regardless of what the motivation of their adopt, of their adoption may have been, they have now been chosen to be part of a family. There are families that we are born into, and there are families that have chosen us. Within the doctrine of the Christian church, there is the doctrine of adoption, that we have been selected and chosen by God to be the benefactors of God's great and overwhelming love, freely given, not because of any merit within us, but because we have been chosen. But we have been chosen for a purpose. Verse 16 from John's Gospel continues. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and to bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask of him in my name. While we acknowledge that we cannot earn God's saving love, but that it is indeed freely given, and indeed gives given to us when we do not merit it, there is an expectation. The expectation that we will bear fruit. We will show God's love to the world so that others may know of his love too. And there is the understanding that we will be equipped for that ministry. That God will give you whatever you ask of him in my name. That is an immense A powerful promise that God is going to give you whatever you ask for in Jesus' name. It is the promise that we are not left alone in this, but that God continues to be with us, guarding and guiding his church to witness to the world. We began by saying that the church is not perfect. And it's not. But the church is empowered and equipped and filled with the Spirit. And that can overcome even our imperfections. A couple of times in ministry, you know, I've witnessed the reality of adoption in the church. Many of our churches are biological entities, aren't they? We are not only church family, but we're biological families too. Many who are members of this congregation, many who have been members of other congregations that I have had the privilege of serving, have been related to one another. And that can be a blessing. And that can be a curse. There is a great strength in the family church because there is a double bond that holds them together. They are they have both the bond of faith and the bond of kinship. 
But there's also the great, a great risk that comes with that as well. The risk that we take for granted, the work of having to build community. And that we do not make space for people who may not be related to us. And yet from time to time, you know, grace breaks in to remind us of the mission if only we will have eyes to see it. In my own ministry, there have been two occasions that I will remember for the rest of my career and beyond. Moments when God has walked through the door of of our church and both in both times that I remember, it was in the person of a young girl. Twice, I've had a young girl come into the church searching for something. The first time was a complete lightning bolt from the blue. A young girl who just, about nine or ten, who just showed up in church on a Sunday morning. When I asked somebody, as we were leaving at the end of the service, who the young girl was, they all went, we don't know. But she had shown up. She was, and rather than going down to church, to the church school with the other children, she stayed in worship every Sunday to hear the sermon and the love of God proclaimed in our worship, to ask, and she asked some of the toughest questions that I have ever been asked at the church door. The other young girl, again, about the same age of nine or ten, I guess, first came to our congregation but through the vacation Bible school, but then became a regular attender of worship and the church school. Now, each of these young girls was searching for something. But most of all, I think, they were on the search for where they fit into the great cosmic order. In a world in which perhaps they seemed on the side, in a world that didn't quite make sense to them, they came to the church looking for the answer to life's great questions looking to experience the love of God. As we listen to the reading this morning, the other reading that is incredibly important, I think, for this understanding of what it means to be the church is that reading that we hear from the Acts of the Apostles this morning. It is the story of, it is the conclusion of the story of Cornelius. uh, The the conversion of Cornelius and Peter's opening up of the church to not just those who were part of the family of faith, of the Jewish tradition, but opening the faith community, the Christian community, to Gentiles as well. Peter asks the question, what is to prevent these from being baptized too? Well, there were many things that prevented them. They weren't part of the Hebrew faith. They weren't part of the family of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But they had been chosen by God. They had, Peter had been led to them that they might hear the witness 
of his testimony and that they might come to know God's love too. As we gather, as we celebrate this day, Christian Family Sunday inside the church and Mother's Day in the rest of the world, we are reminded that it is important, that it, it that as important as our biological families are, God has adopted us into a new family. The family of faith that gathers around the love of God that is made known in Jesus Christ and opens up to us new ways of relating to others. New ways of understanding the world and ourselves. It is through the experience of Christ's love that we can 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 place our trust in God and, and move into the future with boldness. The words that Jesus speaks to his disciples, he speaks to each and every one of us. I have chosen you. The question always for the church is how shall we respond to that call? Thanks be to God. Amen.